0: doing what you were created to do. This idea that you can, you know, this notion that they they put out there in the world saying you can be whatever you want to be is not completely accurate. I cannot be an NBA basketball player. I can't. It's not in my capacity to do it. It's not. It's not within my ability. I could learn to play basketball better and maybe beat my seven-year-old son in a shootout, right? I could get better, but I will never ever play for the NBA. I could spend the rest of my life trying to get there, and I would most likely not succeed. And if by perchance I somehow developed skill enough to get there, which is crazy, I don't think I would be anywhere near the top, because the guys that are in there are already you know, a bit younger than me, and a lot more agile, and a lot more, you know what I mean? So you can't be whatever you want to be, That doesn't mean you can't be what you were created to be. So you can love the Lord your God with all your muchness. Now, that's not to say I'm not trying to discourage young adults from exploring their possibilities. By all means, explore and discover what God has created you to be. But once you discover that, please invest yourself in that. I feel bad for the kids that get on American Idol and Canada's Got Talent And somebody told them they could sing and play. (sighs) And it was not within their created ability to sing or play. And they found that out in the worst possible way. I don't believe in in praising people for something they cannot or were not created to do. Love the Lord your God with all your strength. So if I love the Lord my God with all of these things... Then, then this—I mean—we could go a lot of different directions here. I have—I am now on the platform to to spin this message in any particular direction. We could talk about your 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 uh, surrendering your your tithes and your offerings, and your giving unto the Lord, because that that encompasses how you love God. We could talk about your uh, your. Um, devotion to the work of God and the kingdom of God. We could talk about that. And, and there's lots of, you could see this is like a springboard. You could literally touch on any part of our lives and, and talk about it and say, how are we loving the Lord our God? And, and, and I, you know, you can breathe a sigh of relief that I'm not going to touch on all those things today. But there is a universal currency within our, our, our worship of the Lord that is something everybody can give. Everybody can surrender and love the Lord with all of their heart, your thoughts, your decisions, your choices, all of your your soul, all of your life force, everything bodily that's possible, and all of your strength, your ability. Everybody in this room has the capacity and the ability to love God in this way. And that's the way Hebrews 10 tells us to do it. Hebrews 10, chapter 1 it says, the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of good things to come. So everything in the Old Testament is just a shadow. It's a shadow. It's a representation, a, a dark and shapeless, maybe a, a shape, but maybe an obscured shape, representation of the good thing that was yet to come. What is the good thing that was yet to come? Verse 10 tells us that it was God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all time. In other words, Jesus would present his body as a sacrifice once and for all. This was the good thing that was to come. All the sacrifices of the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. Jesus. All of the sacrifices and the, 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 the instrumentation of the tabernacle and the priesthood and the nation and the laws was all pointing to Christ saying, this is the shadow of who is to come. And, and then in chapter 13, Paul continues, or the writer of Hebrews, uh, continues to talk about this, this idea. And he, he expands a little bit more and talks about how we participate with this new way of worship. Hebrews 13:15 Then through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God So Paul's saying we're not doing away with the idea of giving sacrifices to God because we're still supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. We're supposed to love him with our capacity, our ability, our thoughts, our desires, our intentions, our life force. Everything we have should love and honor and worship the Lord. And Paul says we continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. And that's not a sacrifice of animals or grains or drink or holiday days, but it's a sacrifice of my lips. It's the fruit that comes out of my mouth. That is acknowledging his name. Do not neglect to do good and share with what you have for such sacrifices are good to God. Paul said, there's another element to worship and and there there is a fruit of your lips element of worship there is what comes out of your mouth element of worship but then there's what you do to others that is also an expression of worship two things the sacrifice of praise which is your vocal and physical worship of God and then how you do good to others and you share with what you have these are sacrifices of the new testament so what does it mean to praise God what does it mean to worship him how does the bible define vocal or physical acts of praise unto the Lord. And uh, sometimes as Pentecostals, or we we might, we might say, we worship in a Pentecostal way. We worship in an apostolic way. These are kind of catchphrases you might hear in uh, conventions and conferences. Let's worship like apostolics. Come on, is there any apostolics in the house? And you hear this, this old kind of Adage. Thank you. That's it. That's what it is. It's it's adage. It's sneak a preach. It's whatever you want to call it. Um, and and sometimes it's not helpful. Sometimes it's okay. And sometimes it gets on my nerves. But because it it becomes a lingo that people are like, what is what does it mean? What? Yes, I'm apostolic. What does that have to do? Are we here to worship? Let's just do it, right? Let's not beat people over the head with it. Let's just do it, right? Uh, so that's I'll get off my soapbox. I don't want to embitter you. Um, or pass on my soapboxes to others. So, <laughs> uh, what is the Bible? Really, it's not a Pentecostal or an apostolic thing. It's not. It's a Jewish thing. Really, if we're going to be biblical about it, we should say, is there any Jews in the house? <laughs> because this is a, a primary... We learn our worship from the Psalms. Amen. We learn our style of worship from the book of the Psalms and the, the scriptures. And, and it's funny, whenever ever a preacher gets up to preach about worship, they'll pull from some of the key passages where the armies of God worshipped and God fought the battle for them. That didn't happen in the New Testament. That happened in the Old Testament. That happened with the Jews before the Holy Ghost, before the outpouring of the Spirit. People, they say, well, uh, you know, you can only dance in the Spirit. Well, then David must have danced out of the Spirit, because David didn't have the Holy Ghost, and yet he danced until half of, he was half naked. So, I mean, right? Well, I said I wouldn't get on my soapboxes, but I'm... All right. So, the, what does the Bible say about worship? Is it right? What is appropriate? What is, what is worship? What does God expect out of us? And, and the first thing we should learn is what Paul called worship. Worship and praise is a sacrifice it is a sacrifice. There is no way around it. Praise and worship to God is has always been and will always be a sacrifice. You'll see that often in the scripture, talking about the sacrifice of praise, the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Psalms 116 verse 17 says, I will offer unto you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay My vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. The psalmist is indicating that there is something I owe God. There is a promise I have made to him that I've got to keep. I cannot neglect my promise. I cannot neglect my vow to him. I've got to keep my vow of a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto him. So let's look at some of these words because I like to look at words Um, And and I find that there are roughly six main words used in reference to praise, worship, and the like. And they're they're used interchangeably. They're used collectively. They're used uh, together. But they all have a slight variation to their meaning. And I think they help to illustrate for us what praise and worship ought to look like because God has an idea of what praise and worship looks like. And, and it's not a, an American thing it's not a Canadian thing it's not a Pentecostal thing it's not an apostolic it's a bible thing it's a scriptural thing this is what God says praise and worship should look like so let's let's take a look the first word that we see in 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 this study of, of praise and worship is the word toda and we've already read it here this morning in Psalm 116. Uh, Verse 17, I will offer unto you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. When the Bible was translated from English to Hebrew, the the word todah was most commonly translated from Hebrew to Greek as thanksgiving. So if you're making notes, you can write down todah, T-O-W-D-A-H. T-O-W-D-A-H. And that means thanksgiving. Largely, commonly, it means Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a, a noun. It's a meaning of praise or thanksgiving or giving thanks. Uh, it's an, a sacrifice of saying thank you, that I'm giving thanks for something that was done, a service provided, or a benefit received. I'm giving thanks. Now, interestingly, when you look at the, the etymology of the Hebrew word, um, Hebrews, the ancient, ancient Hebrews, used Pictures in their words, much like the Egyptians used pictographs. So ancient Hebrew, the really old stuff, is is has pictures associated with it, and the two pictures that are used to write the word Toda or Thanksgiving are is literally a hand, and the open door of a tent. And the idea is that they were throwing hands. Now I know today to throw hands means to fight somebody. Uh, it means to get in an altercation, a fistfight. And, and that actually is not too far. I, I think it, it's common. It, it connects somehow. Because there's times when you need to fight the urge to complain and to moan and to be uh, dissatisfied. And sometimes you've got to fight that. You've got to fight that urge. You've got to put up your spiritual hands, so to speak, and fight for thanksgiving. You've got, I mean, the Bible tells us that in everything we should give thanks. There's a story of a lady by the name of Corrie ten Boom. And if you know her story, she was uh, she was a, a, a Dutch woman that was helping the Jews to escape Nazi Germany. She her and her sister and her father and family were eventually captured by the Nazis, put in concentration camps. And the story goes that one night they were in their, their barracks and the women were literally piled on top of each other. There weren't enough blankets to go around. But Corrie somehow managed to smuggle a Bible in By the sheer miracle of God, because, you know, when they put them in these concentrations they stripped them completely naked, and they had been hiding the Bible somehow in their clothes and somehow managed, and she just prayed, Lord, I don't want to lose this Bible. Don't let the guards see it. And the, the Lord caused the guards to be completely blind to this Bible in her stuff. And they she was stripped naked. She went through and she was able to retrieve her Bible. Somehow God worked it out. And so she held Bible studies in the barracks every night when it was lights out. And eventually, because of the, 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 the disease and the cramping, there were fleas all over the place. It was a terrible condition, horrible. And, and her sister was the one that kept praying prayers every night. And her sister said, Lord, and we thank you for the fleas. And Corey got really angry. She says, huh, Betsy, I can thank God for this, and I can thank God for that, and I can thank God he let us have this, but I cannot, under any circumstance, thank God for the fleas. And it was only after she was released from her concentration camp that she overheard two of the guards talking about how they used to go and abuse the women in other places. In other places and in other, some of the other buildings, and the only reason they did not come to their building was because of the fleas, and she said, I now can thank God even for the fleas. In everything, I don't mean you have to be thankful for the bad things in life, but there is somewhere in the heart of a child of God that says, I'm going to fight to be thankful. That's an extreme circumstance, that's something, thank God, none of you will ha- ever have to endure in Jesus' name. But but there are things in our life that we get uncomfortable with and gripe about and complain about when we need to throw hands and give thanks. Uh, the other expression of throwing hands is as if to throw something up or out and to extend the hands is really... The the real meaning of the word to throw hands is to literally throw your hands in the air and to thank God. It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. David said to a man who offered him a parcel of land for free, he said, because David wanted to offer God a sacrifice, and one of his fellow compatriots, Aruna, said, I'll I'll give you the land for free, king. You're my king. I want to do this for you. David said, I'm sorry, I cannot do that. If I was building a house, I would say yes. If I was building a farm, I would say yes. But because I'm going to use this land to worship God, I cannot take it for free. I cannot offer to God something that has cost me nothing. I must give a sacrifice of praise. There's got to be some kind of a cost associated with what I'm doing. It's either a sacrifice of my time, a sacrifice of my will, a sacrifice of my pride, a sacrifice of my energy, a sacrifice of my personality, a sacrifice of my comfort zone, a a sacrifice of whatever it is, but it ultimately must cost me something to give. Because praise, giving thanks, is not based on a feeling. It's not based on, on, on how I feel or what I'm going through, but it's based on the goodness of God. If someone has to ask you for thanks... It's not really sincere thank you. If God has to move on you before we move towards Him and give Him thanks and praise, can we really say that our thanks and praise is sincere? Do you have breath this morning? If the answer is yes, then you have something to give God thanks for. If you have health in your body, you may not see like Corey why you have to give thanks for the fleas. But in faith, you can say, God, I don't see how you're working through this circumstance that seems rather negative in my life, but I'm going to give you thanks that you're in control. And I don't understand, and I don't particularly like the fleas in my life, but I'm going to give you thanks anyway because I know you have a plan for my life. I believe that you're greater than my circumstances and that my life is not simply going by chance or by the fabrication of some big bang boom that happened millions of years ago, but it was an intentional, creative act on your part that has put me in this place here today, and I'm going to give you thanks. (laughs) Psalm 107 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. If the Lord has redeemed you, then speak out, the Bible says. Speak out. Tell others that he has redeemed you from your enemies. An extension of the word toda is the word yada. Yada and the word tahila. They are used interchangeably, these two words. They're used back and forth and mixed together. And yada is very similar to toda. In fact, all of these Hebrew words, as I said, they kind of run together. A yada is a verb, it means to acknowledge, to praise, to give thanks, to confess, and to throw. The essential meaning is an act of acknowledging what God has done and give him praise and thanksgiving for it. In other words, the word is a verb that carries a sense of action. It's not simply a noun. It's not simply a descriptive word. It's not simply a a, a passive action, but it's a verb, a a very active action. Uh, action, to lift your hands and to praise God. If you were to leave your hands at your side, you would not be giving yada. You would just be maybe toda or just giving thanks passively. But this one is very specific. It means literally to throw your hands in the air and to praise. It's like you're throwing something up to God, like you're giving him a gift or offering a sacrifice. And it it does make you kind of... uh, noticed in the crowd of people that you're in to throw your hands in the air and worship the Lord and give him thanks kind of makes you notice, but it's a verb in the Bible that literally speaks to lift up your hands. Psalm 141 verse 2 says, "'Accept my prayer as an incense offered to you and my upraised hands as the evening offering.'" Psalm 9, verse 1 says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of the marvelous things you've done. I will praise you, Lord. I will yada you, Lord, with all of my heart. I'm going to throw up my hands as a sign that says I'm giving you my heart. I'm throwing my heart to you. I'm giving my life to you. Remember, we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart our thoughts, our decisions, our intentions, our soul, our life essence, and then our strength. There's a verb, there's a connection to our physical movement that that accentuates our praise and acknowledges what God has done. Psalm 109 verse 30, I will greatly yada the Lord with my mouth. Yea, I will yada him among the multitude. It's important for me to come to church, not because They need a good attendance record to send to the UPCI once a year to say we had so many people in service on a particular Sunday. No, the reason you come to church is because it's good to follow what the Bible says to praise God among the multitude. There is something connected with your praise and my praise, and when we mix it together, there's something that happens. It's hard to describe. It's hard to quantify it. It's hard to put it into words, but there is something that happens when the people of God lift up God. the Bible says that he is enthroned on the praises of his people. Literally, he sits down. So if you want God to be comfortable, you make a nice seated cushion for him to sit in. That's your praise. When you lift him up, you make God welcome and comfortable. He feels comfortable sitting in your midst among your praise and among your worship. It builds a throne for him to exist. And where the spirit of the Lord is, you can't be a Lord without a throne. So when the Lord sits Sits on the throne, the Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom for God to do what He wants to do in that particular service. Why is it important for you to lift your hands and praise Him? Because when you lift your hands and you open up your mouth and you give God praise, it builds a place for Him to be the Lord. Can we do that for a moment? Can we build Him a throne to sit on this morning? We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the good things. We thank you for the blessings. And we thank you for the trials. We thank you for the circumstances, the mountains, the valleys, the circumstances, God, that have brought us to where we are today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Yada is often related to another word called shabak or ruach, and these words in Hebrew simply mean to shout. I know that we like to praise God in a variety of different ways, and some people are blessed with very big mouths and large vocal cords like myself, and um, I I can fill the room with my voice and probably deafen you if I put my, my mind to it, especially in the reverberation of this tiny little room. Um, and I'm mindful of that, and I, I try to do it, you know, uh, building appropriately. When I'm in a bigger room, I, I, I let it rip. I lead the service horse. My voice is gone. I left it in the room. But here, the Bible means to shout, and, and it's, it's okay to shout. The Bible says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will shabak you. Uh, There is something that wells up in the heart of someone who has been loved much, that they want to share that love with somebody else. There is a sound of triumph and a victory that God has, God is great and has done great things for me. And so... When when I get excited about what the Lord has done and what the Lord is doing, I want to lift up my voice and shout. There's an excitement, there's a, a bit of a little explosion inside of me that wants to just find its way out of my mouth. And so when you hear someone lifting a shout unto the Lord, please try not to be startled. I know, I know it's hard. Uh, someone was shouting here the other day and Renee was quietly playing on the floor and Steph said she jumped in the air and ran to Mummy and was holding her ears because it scared her half to death. Uh, uh, so please try not to be startled when you hear somebody shout, but just know that God must be doing something great in their life because the greatness of God is being expressed by their voice. The Bible says, Psalm 32, verse 11, Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout, shabak, ruach, for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. O clap your hands, all ye people, Psalm 47, verse two, 1 and 2, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph, not only does a shout mean that, that you are excited or you have joy or God has done something for you, but a shout can be given in faith, that it's the voice of triumph, that there is a battle to be won, there is a situation I'm facing, but in faith I'm going to shout as if the battle is already over. I'm going to shout as if the victory belongs to me and I've already won the victory because I belong to the Lord. Joshua 6 verse 20, when the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could, and suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed. The story goes, they didn't shout after the walls fell down, they shouted before the walls fell down. Sometimes in your walk with God, you come up against a wall, you come up against an obstacle, you come up against circumstances and situations that need a variety of approaches. Notice, Israel did not shout only. I, I, for those that think that all you need is a good shout and your problem will be solved, that's not scriptural. Because Israel didn't just shout, they marched. They did what God told them to do. They obeyed first, before the shout. Don't, don't wrap all of your victory up in a shout. I don't believe it. Because sometimes you need to take steps towards your victory. Sometimes if you're dealing with a mental illness, you can't just shout the mental illness away. You've got to go and get help from a a physician, a licensed counselor that can help you, help walk you through the steps it took you to get to where you are today. I'm a firm believer in that because God could give, I believe God could deliver someone from depression today. But if their steps don't change, they'll be back in depression in three weeks. Not because they're bad or because the healing didn't work, but they didn't know how to uh, maintain what they obtained in the spirit. You can get a healing. I I, I remember watching, okay, confession time, I watched ER. All right, so sorry. I watched ER, and there was an episode where they were in a quandary over this guy who wanted a new liver. Was it a liver? Yes, it was a new liver. And they were, they were working through it, and they discovered he was a candidate, blah, 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 blah. And there was a waiting list and all this stuff. And, and, and they came to the near the end of the episode, and they decided they weren't going to give it to him because they, they he had hid from them that he was an alcoholic. And, and there was someone else on the list that was not. And so his alcoholism disqualified him from being a recipient because... They knew that within a few months he would destroy the new organ that was placed into his body because he obtained something new, but he could not keep it in a healthy. And there was someone else, and the, the whole episode was about should we, should we, should we not? And it was a great question. I don't even remember how it ended, but that was the and I thought, man, that connects to healing. That someone can be healed of something, but not know how to keep the healing in a healthy way. Someone can be delivered of depression but not know how to cognitively jump over the hoop, the hurdles that got them into depression in the first place. Not know how to release and forgive offenses in the past and they hold on to that. They may receive a healing in a service. And so I, I, it freed me of being discouraged of people that got prayed for healing and claimed a healing of depression or, or mental illness and they, you know, in three weeks they seemed to be worse off than what they were when they got their healing because they could not maintain what they they had obtained in the Spirit. So sometimes you can't just shout your way out. You've got to walk your way to the point that God leads you. You've got to take steps and move in a direction of healing, move in a direction of faith, and there the shout can bring the walls down and God can give you the skills to, to mount the campaign and get over that hurdle and enter the promise that he has obtained for you in the Spirit. That's where a shout is effective. I believe in shout. I believe in praise. I believe someone can receive a victory in a service, but don't discount the healing work that needs to be done before and after the shout. It's all in one. It's a package deal. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The shout is important. It's very important, but we must take steps to walk in the the healing that God has given to us. There's so many other words Hallel is one of them. The word hallelujah is actually a compound Hebrew word that we've, we've transliterated. We've pulled that into the English language. Hallel is hallelujah. It's praise the Lord. And the word hallel is one of the, those words that is very active. There is nothing passive about the word hallel in the Bible. Every time you see it, there is some kind of action that is evoked in the person that is halaling the Lord. It means to make a show, to boast, to be clamorous or even foolish, to rave, to dance, to jump, to be excited, to be exuberant, and to praise God. You see the progression here. We started off with just some thanksgiving and then we threw our hands in the air to give thanks, and then we moved into a shout with the voice, and from the shout from the voice, we go to Hillel, which is an exuberant, boastful, clamorous rave that you look at and you go, that looks silly, that looks odd, that looks strange, And, and, but it is very biblical, because you have to get it from the perspective of the psalmist, Psalm 63, verse 5. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will hallel you with songs of joy. Psalm 135, verse 3. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Celebrate his lovely name with music. One fifty, Psalm 150, the hallel chapter of the Bible. Hallel the Lord. Hallel God in his sanctuary. Hallel him in his mighty heavens. Why do I do that? Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise Him for His unequaled greatness. There's nobody like Him. And when you get that realization and that revelation... It's not hard to get a little shout and a dance in your step, a a little jump, a little bit excited because you know who he is and what he's done. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn, with the lyre, with the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of the cymbals. Praise him with the loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that hath breath sing praises to the Lord because God has done great things. When you hallel the Lord, Psalm 148 tells you, you don't do it alone. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all the armies of heaven. I believe when the church begins to hallel the Lord, an angelic host shows up in that service. I believe that with all of my heart. I've I've never seen it, but I've heard testimonies. People say that they see angels standing around the sanctuary. They, the Lord has opened their eyes and they've seen angels encamped round about the church as the church begins to praise and worship and exalt and lift up the name of Jesus. And associated with Hillel is to clap the hands. Why do we clap our hands in a service? We in, in our culture, we clap it as a sign of approval. We clap it as a sign of celebration. We clap it as a, a sign of good job. Uh, and generally, there's there's that that is true in the Scripture. But there's another kind of clapping that's done in the Bible that we don't do so much in our Western culture. I think it's done in more Eastern cultures, Middle Eastern cultures. But it's the, the idea or to strike, to clap the hand in victory or in derision, as if to, it's like an insult to clap your hand at your enemy, as if to intimidate or to push them back or to frighten them, there was this sense of the clap of the hand was a a sound of like a slap or like something is about to hit you and so we'll clap and, and it's going to attack you. It's going to come after you. And so this sign of clapping is also associated with victory and with beating back the adversaries of God. And so we clap our hands not only to shout unto the God, but we clap our hands uh, in victory and in, 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 in uh, excitement over what God is going to do. In Lamentations 2 verse verse 15, it says, all who pass along their way clap their hands at you. They hiss and wag their head at the daughters of Jerusalem. And this was what the enemies of God, they were clapping their hands at the people of Israel in a way to deride them or to intimidate them. Ezekiel twenty-one seventeen says, I will also clap my hands. I will satisfy my fury, the Lord says. The Lord says, I'm going to clap my hands back at them. And I'm going to bring an attack against the enemy that's going to that's going to cripple him it's going to weaken him it's going to put him down because clapping not only brings with the sense of joy and excitement but it also brings a sense of pending doom against the adversary that the devil is already defeated that his traps are going to be uh, uh, turned against him his weapons are going to be turned against him because no weapon formed against a child of God can prosper so when I worship him when I thank him when I praise him I do the steps I need to do to get to where God wants me to be. And then I begin to shout. I can clap. I can praise. I can sing. And it connects myself to what God is doing in the supernatural. We see all of these words used in a very quoted passage of Scripture. Psalms 100, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Todah. And into his courts with praise. Yada. And give thanks which is Tehillah or one of those exuberant praises unto him. And bless his name. The last one is the one that we'll end with this morning. And it's the word bless. Barak. This word slows things down a bit. And we go a little bit more carefully here because now we're going to bless his name. We're going to carefully lift up the name of the Lord. The word bless means to bow, to kneel, to bend, to adore. As if the weight of the revelation of who he is has descended on your shoulders. And you can't help but tear up and cry and bow In the presence of the mighty one, the only one, the king eternal, immortal, and invisible, the one who is wise, the one who is great, and I barack his name. I bless his name. I've lifted up my hands and shouted. I've danced. I've raved. I've made a show. I've sang, and now I'm going to worship his name. And you could stay in worship for a very long time because there is an intimacy in worship. There is a lifting of the hands in worship. There is a bowing of the will in worship. There is a surrendering of yourself in worship. Worship is commonly attached to something called the burnt offering in which everything on the altar was consumed. Everything was surrendered Everything was laid out before God and I bless His name. I bless His name. I partner with the angels and I bow my head and I extend my hands and I bless His name. Could we stand to our feet this morning? I don't know what you need here this morning, but I think you have enough understanding to put some of this into practice to give thanks this weekend is a weekend of thanksgiving. Let's go into it with some knowledge of what we're doing. One more thing. When you yada the Lord and throw up your hands, the word was sometimes used in the Bible as though they took a bow and they flung an arrow at an enemy or I took a spear and threw it towards an adversary. When you give thanks to God for the fleas in your life, You're taking the very weapon the devil meant to use to destroy you and using it as a gift of thanks to the Lord. And it takes the trap and turns the trap on the head of the adversary. You don't know exactly how every flea or every bad situation in your life is impacting you, but you can trust That if you put your life in the hands of God and love Him with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, you'll turn the trap of the enemy to make you bitter, resentful, discomforted, and, and discouraged, and downtrodden and you're turning that on its head. You're turning his weapon against him and using it to give glory to God. You don't even have to address Satan in your prayers. He's not worthy of your time. Simply give thanks. Clap your hands. Shout unto the Lord and give him praise this morning. Come on, would you just give him praise and thanksgiving right now. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you thanks. Hallelujah. 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 I will bless you, O Lord. I will bless you, O Lord, with all that is within me. I will bless you, Hallelujah. 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 Jesus hallelujah Jesus oh we praise you this morning we extend our hand to worship you to lift you up to magnify your name hallelujah Jesus we praise and lift you up you are the king you are the lord you are the healer you are our deliverer today god you're our father and we worship you we bless your name. We bless your name for the good and for the bad, for the difficult things, for the hard things. We bless you. We praise you. We exalt you, Jesus. Hallelujah. in the trial, I praise you for the circumcision